to Beer Me. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So I'm very excited today. I have two guests on the show, which I think is a first for the past year and a half. Thanks, COVID. Um, so uh, joining me on the show, I have Derek and Stacy Edginger. Um, they are the co-founders and operators of Brewery Ardennes. This is a new brewery that is just opened near Geneva, um, right on Seneca Lake in the Finger Lakes region of New York. I had the great opportunity to pop by about a month or so ago, and it is there's no other word to describe it except for idyllic. So thank you two for coming on the show and taking some time out of your, what I'm assuming is a very busy day. <laughs> oh, great. Great to be here. Thanks thank for having you. us. Your brewery opened in May of this year, correct? Yeah, we just celebrated 90 days of opening. So yeah. uh, we opened the end of May. Wow. Okay, so the brewery itself, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the inspiration and kind of, you know, what the what the goal was with the brewery? Yeah, I mean, I think like like a lot of folks, home brewer goes goes professional, but sort of bigger than that, you know, we 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 love beer, we love to travel, we we love food, we, you know, we love the whole experience and we would talk about, you know, in in our travels, you know, different breweries that we go to. How was the beer? How how was the food? You know, what, what was the atmosphere like? What was the experience? And we thought, hey, you know, the more we talked about it, we, we talked about, well, we should do this, right? Because we always had, you know, different opinions and things about different places that we went to. And we thought, well, we, we want to make some place that has kind of all three, you know, the beer, the food, the, the ambiance, the experience. And that's kind of what we try to create. Well, I think you definitely nailed it. So this is a this is a brewery inspired from your travels in Belgium. And something that struck me when I was there, I seriously felt like I was being transported back into, you know, like a quaint little farmhouse brewery in the countryside in Belgium. The only thing that kept me keenly aware that I was in America were the TVs. Like that was the that was the only thing. <laughs> and I get that you have to have TVs in, in the brewery. <laughs> but it was really amazing. And then, you know, the beer, you just hit your 90 day mark, but your beer is drinking like you guys have been open for five years. So it's all around really impressive. So I, I was like, I, I need I need to talk to these people who have figured it out. <laughs> and 90 days in are just crushing it. So Tell me a little bit about your backgrounds. Obviously, this is not your very first career. You're not fresh out of brewing school here. So what is your background? Well, I've spent my career in the hospitality industry. And growing up, my, my parents, we would do the ubiquitous uh, summer vacation, but we would always travel a lot. And that included traveling to, to Europe as well as throughout the U.S. And it was fun to go to new and different places, but my parents admittedly thought it was a little strange that I was always really excited about where we were gonna eat and where we were gonna stay versus maybe the destination as a whole. And so I went to the hotel school at Cornell and, and just fell in love with kind of the hospitality aspects and program and, and worked for big companies and small companies 
really kind of drew on a lot of those lessons learned, either both the positive and some of the the challenges that that I faced, and and said, well, I, I think we could we could do this, and it would be fun to do it together. And I think paired with super engineering, uh, structured kind of analytical guy kind of my creativity and his analytics kind of were a good marriage. Yeah, so I don't have a hospitality background, although I have been a, a hospitality consumer <laughs> for some time. But you know, my, like Stacy said, you know, my, my background was in engineering, a mechanical engineer by, by training. Worked in aerospace for the first half of my career. I uh, was just a hobby brewer on, on, on the side, but you know, I guess like you know, kind of the Engineering is good for, you know, the, the process control of brewing and uh, equipment and facilities. So I'm sorry, are you saying you have a background in like rocket science? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> built um, the, the things that go on top of rockets, uh, you know, built okay. uh, satellites that go into space. A long time for a company in California that built satellites for, you know, direct TV, XM radio and things like that. And I guess somewhat of, of the path to, to brewing was, was through uh, aerospace and satellites. A colleague of mine joined up with him and we, we started a satellite technology startup company a few years ago, kind of a, a, a tech startup that brings tech and space all together. So the tie into to brewing, I think that, you know, I had always worked in big companies and, and this was sort of a mid-career entrepreneur kind of go out on our own and, and try something new. And, and that was really uh, exciting and invigorating and empowering. And I think that kind of helped give me the, the courage that we would start a brewery on our own. So even though it was an unrelated field, that kind of entrepreneurial bug uh, certainly helped. Yeah, for sure. And I agree. I think the precise nature of engineering translates well to the precise nature that's necessary for brewing. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of impressed because to go from home brewing to brewer is, is a big leap. And you're tackling some of the most difficult beers to brew. Look, I mean, you and I both know that with the trends right now, it's so easy to open a brewery, make a ton of double IPAs, hazy IPAs, pastry stout, those are easy beers, expensive beers to make, but you know, it's easy if you make a mistake, there's a lot to hide behind. But here you are tackling some pretty challenging brews. I mean, you made a Belgian lager. There's nothing to hide behind with that beer. It has to be flawless for it to land. So what kind of inspired, like, all right, I'm going to transition to a completely different career. I'm going to transition from home brewing to professional brewing, and I'm going to take on one of the most challenging sectors of beer there is. So what inspired that? Well, I, I surprisingly mentioned the, the Belgian lager. Believe it or not, the, the Belgian lager that we launched with was the first light lager that I'd ever done, e even as a, a home brewer, professional brewer. So that was a little nerve wracking, kind of jumping right in with that. You know, I had done a few box and, and things like that, like dark lagers as, as a home brewer. But yeah, I guess a couple things, you know, just years of practice, you know, had, had homebrewed for a long time. And, you know, to be honest, in the early days, it was really hit or miss. You know, what I tell everybody is, you know, the first homebrew recipe I made was great, you know, tasted great. And then the second one was terrible. <laughs> but then I knew at that point, well, I knew I could brew a good beer some of the time. You know, I think if that first one had been disaster, I probably would have given up on it. And then for a long time, it was 
good batch, bad batch, good batch, bad batch. And so, you know, you kind of learn to all the things that you have to kind of be mindful of when, when you're brewing. But, you know, it took me a long time until I could make like a good Belgian beer. They're subtle. A lot of the flavor comes from the yeast. So it's having the right yeast strain and knowing what temperature to ferment it at and control all that. So that was sort of like the Belgian beers, especially, you know, the, the triple was kind of my white whale. And once I could finally brew a good triple as a home brewer, then I knew that this could be something more. Um, so I think it was, you know, a lot of that practice early on as, as a home brewer to, to know how to do it. And then we got help. You know, the great thing about the craft brewing industry is it's so open and so collaborative, unlike I think almost any other industry where you, you might, you know, walk into another, you, you, your closest brewery and ask them, so how do you brew this and what's that do? And tell me about your recipes. You know, they, they kick you out the door, but you know, craft brewing is you know, totally different. So we, we did, you know, a year ago, get a consultant, you know, an expert, you know, 30 year brewer in the upstate area, Bruce Lish joined us and helped us out and helped us design the facility and work on recipes. And then we just took tours, a lot of the local craft breweries when we were kind of the brewery and planning, probably visited, I don't know, 10 or 20 breweries kind of in the upstate New York area last year. And, and they would just tell you anything like do this, don't do that. You know, it's, it's so collaborative. So it's kind of a steep learning curve uh, going from uh, hobby to professional, but um, I think we're doing all right. He is uh, humble in, in certain cases, and I think the uh, OCD tendencies of certain things <laughs> help, like when you said that there's not a lot to hide behind with some of these more delicate beers. So I think it's kind of weird, but probably other brewers don't think it's weird that he reads chemistry books. And I'll see him kind of at one point he was reading about different makeups and minerality of water. You know, some of the water here is super hard. And so that leaves a different flavor in the beer. And so it's public records of what kind of the mineral content in is in water supplies throughout the world. So he's going to different towns in Belgium and looking up their mineral content in their water and then changing the mineral content in our water so that, you know, you're trying to emulate, you know, that's a big part of beer. Yeah. So making sure that it tastes consistent is, is important. So I think those small obsessive no, no details detail <laughs> uh, kind of really matter. And, and so I, I appreciate that I can make fun of him about it but i also appreciate that about his him and his approach no that's wonderful and i mean a beer the beer is a, is a portion of the experience you know this is something that i can't stress enough to brewery owners is the entire experience matters the service the ambiance everything like that and so stacy is this something that you've kind of drawn from a lot of your different experiences to kind of build this very curated experience for your guests? Yeah, I mean, I think many of us could probably walk into a, a store or a restaurant or a hotel. And sometimes when you just walk in, it, it feels right. And it's, it's sort of a, a gut check of that feeling of this is going to be a place that I'm going to feel comfortable in, or this is kind of a, a place that for whatever reason, it, it's it just not making me feel feel welcome. So I, I think we were sensitive to that. Your description of physicality of, of our barn is pretty unique. And I think it's probably the, the first experience that we watch everyone have is getting out of their car, walking about 10 feet towards the barn, and they like they stop and out comes the phone and everybody's, you know, kind of taking it in. And it's 
pretty spectacular. That does a lot of the heavy lifting. So I think for us, it was important to kind of have that suspension of disbelief, kind of that common thread that kind of goes throughout. And I think if I was just making fun of Derek for the OCD tendencies, you know, my tendencies were towards the kind of the physical things that the guests would experience, whether it was the plates that we picked or the cutlery or the glasses that they were enjoying the beer out of. We wanted it to to be authentic, you know, little things along the way that we never knew we were going to have to kind of obsess about the traditional European style Trappist Abbey glasses um, that are a very... Those are not easy to find. Uh, yeah. yeah, they're impossible to find in the United States, and COVID made that even worse. Literally, I found a manufacturer in Italy and had the, the glasses shipped here into the into a U.S. distributor and said, I'll, I'll buy every glass that you can bring into the United States. And people walk in and they go, I've never seen a glass that looks like this. Well, that's because they don't exist here. Some of the things like that that, you know, people immediately kind of notice. And I think the second thing is really kind of finding like-minded staff, people that can express our brand and that warmth of hospitality that was really important to us in their own way, right? We do a lot of training on, on the products, but we want them to feel comfortable having a sense of ownership of it. So many of them have helped Derek Brew. We curate food pairings with the beer pairings. And so everyone in the staff is involved. You know, they're all obsessed like we are with good food. And so they, you know, they want kind of that experience to extend to the guest. And so I think we have a small team, but a really collaborative team. And that gets them excited every day to come here and and share that with guests. It sounds like you've built a really wonderful culture and that kind of instant warmth and hospitality, you definitely get it. I mean, the bartender that assisted me instantly made eye contact, big smile, hi, welcome. But it wasn't cheesy or scripted or forced. It was very, very genuine. And instantly it was like, somebody with some serious hospitality training has been here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of our credit goes to our family. Our first employee, so to speak, beyond Derek and I, was Derek's brother, my brother-in-law. And then, though we've tried to pay them, and we pay them in some of our beers that are their favorites, Derek's parents and, and Corey's parents are our greeters usually on the weekends when we're busiest. And they greet guests at, at our entrance and they talk about the, the history. They probably share a little bit too more, much more information about Derek and I and Corey than, than is normal in a business. But I the think guests, a lot the guests of, like them. yeah, the yeah. guests really like it. And I think, you know, it's, it's interesting because they're obviously proud of it, but from the perspective of, of the guest, so many people saw, you know, this is kind of a, a heritage type site. And a lot of people that have been here knew of someone that lived in Geneva or were from the Geneva community. And so always saw kind of the, the lot that our barn was on was, was very wooded. And so had glimpses of this very unique structure, but never really got to see it up close. And so That curiosity factor has been fun. And then to have folks, you know, we went to a number of different historical societies to kind of track down the lineage of of this farm and this barn and um, kind of being able to share some of those photographs of the original um, kind of structure and and piece together its really rich history has has been fun. Um, And so I think people more so are 
they they see it and then they are told about it and they're really curious about it uh, and that that's really added to the experience. Yeah. Now I'm curious about the history. So it used to be a a sheep barn, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, built in 1909 as a, as a sheep farm by a, a very wealthy lady from uh, Western New York. As, as sort of her her pride and joy, sort of a, a hobby phone, a hobby farm. You know, there's really really unique architecture. It's French Norman architecture built by artisans from uh, the Netherlands. Um, you know, at the turn of the last century, but it, it had kind of a, a tumultuous history. There were two fires that that burned a lot of it down. Um, as big as it is today, it was kind of a fraction of what it was before. It was kind of like this Disney uh, World castle of a of a barn originally, and it still has some of those aspects left. But it you know kind of had a lot of history with with the uh, you know just the farm and the farmers surviving the Great Depression and a couple fires and you know a few changes of, of ownership. Um, but it was built pretty sturdy. And uh, you know, it hadn't been used as a farm since the 70s, but we were, were, were restored it and, and gave it new life again. And I, again, like Cecil said, there's a lot of interest in the community. You know, it's, it's been here for a long time. People know of it and they're glad to finally sort of see it and experience it as it's open to the public. And, uh, you know, people come in and tell us different stories about it. And we keep adding to our kind of our, our, our history and anecdotes and, and photographs people will bring in, you know, these old sepia photographs from 1909 that they had and we'd add them to our collage. So it's been fun. So you're 90 days out from opening. What is the best advice you can give somebody for opening a brewery? Plan for the unexpected. I think on the operational side, on the front of house, and then maybe Derek can talk about the product. But I think for us, we were cognizant of it, but we didn't realize it until we experienced it. We went from everything being on paper. Then we very quickly transitioned to, in in a snap of a finger, guests standing in front of you and experiencing it. So, you know, the physicality, for example, of how we designed the bar and the tasting room it was one thing on paper, but then when we actually were working behind it, we saw some challenges that we had to kind of work through. And that kind of adaptability, I think, was at times super frustrating, but I think uh, really exciting. Um, you know, every day we'd slightly, for example, we'd slightly configure how we interacted with guests. And at the very beginning of our opening, guests were now... Uh, it was the day that we opened on the day that New York lifted all the mask restrictions. And so people were a little excited to be out and about, right? Because no one had been kind of at a bar, for example, and been able to sit at a, a bar. But yet we were still wanting to keep everyone kind of safe and we didn't want it to be a free for all. So we would reconfigure how we would interact with the guest and how we would pour the, the product behind the beer, behind the bar uh, and every day the staff would come in and it would be slightly reconfigured. And it took us probably 12 tries to get it kind of in its current state and figure out what worked for us. So I think my biggest lesson was like, don't get frustrated by that. Like just find, you know, make a small tweak and then try that and then make another tweak and try that until you find what the right formula is for you. Yeah, because we, we had big crowds coming in, you know, lines out the door and, you know, we we're short staffed and it was it was sort of chaos. And we were really conscientious about not just the stress on the 
uh, on our staff, but also, you know, having a good experience for the people coming in too. So it, yeah, it took us a little while to be a, a, a smooth running machine. But yeah, I, I think we'd be remiss to not, you know, talk about the things leading up to it. If people are thinking about opening a brewery, um, there's there's a little bit of paperwork involved. Don't don't do it during the pandemic. That, yeah, uh, that that's one. one. Is, I mean, hope, don't hope, open a brewery during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah, hopefully that's uh, going to be behind us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The the, the, the you know, kind of the, the the good and bad karma that we always tell everyone is when we actually acquired the the real estate, the property. Um, the day we closed on it was the day in New York uh, when New York went on quote pause. You know, when when everything shut down. You know, in in mid March of. 2020, which is, you know, give or take a few weeks of every other state in the U.S. But, you know, it, it, what, what comes around uh, was that the, the, the exact day that we had our grand opening was the day that uh, New York State, you know, removed the mask mandate. So, you know, hopefully that we don't backslide on that. But yeah, that was some some ups and downs. But the paperwork is not to be. It's, yeah. da- it's daunting, and I, I think Pe- people should people should yeah. plan should plan ahead. I mean, I think what some people have some mm-hmm. familiarity with is that it takes a while to get your uh, brewer's license, either from the federal level, or from the state level. So, you know, you might have equipment, you might have the space, but make sure you give yourself time. Because it's a heavily heavily regulated thing, you know, get all your licenses and know what kind of lead time to expect there. And then the other thing that you know is is uh, you know working with your local municipality and zoning. You know, you may have some zoning hoops to go through to get your business uh, approved if it wasn't a, you know you're building something new that wasn't a, a previous um, you know brewery that you uh, purchased or acquired or things like that. So those can sometimes you know, take you a lot longer than you, you, people are always thinking about the building and the tanks and all those kind of things. Those can be sometimes much quicker than, you know, the, uh, the paperwork side of things. Mm-hmm. No. And, you know, meetings with health department and fire department. Yeah. Lots of inspections, lots of stakeholders. Yeah. I think it would have been super nice if there was a giant checklist of everything that we had to do. And so there was a, a lot of things that we just kind of felt our way through and and we're extremely fortunate in New York State that there's a very strong and resourceful New York State Craft Brewers Association. And so they would either find us the answer, 99% of the time they had the answer for us, um, and or they would, you know, refer us to someone, either another brewer or um, someone with a state liquor authority to kind of answer our questions. But, you know, having somebody that you can go with and feel comfortable even asking what you feel like is a dumb question uh, is is a really kind of powerful thing. And the great thing is, you know, craft brewers are super collaborative, not just in, in New York City either. So wherever you are, you know, get, get to know some of the other, you know, craft brewers and owners in your area. And I'm sure they'll they'll help answer a lot of your questions for you very, very readily. Yeah, I mean, the craft brewing community is a community, decidedly a community. And, you know, it's really wonderful to be a part of. So I'm going to shift into some a little more frivolous questions. We do some fun stuff at the end of the show. During the pandemic, what was the beer that got you through it? And you can't say your own. Well, for me, it would be La Chouf, uh, which is probably my favorite kind of Belgian beer. I, I like Belgian uh, triples. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of weird, you know, having to buy other people's beer. But uh, Victory Golden Monkey. Uh, which oh, is like yeah. a triple or Belgian strong, golden strong ale. Good stuff. Yeah, very good. Um, and then 
let's live in a fantasy world where you guys can travel anytime soon. Let's pretend the world opens up. What brewery are you visiting? Well, it, it's probably like the obvious answer for a, a Belgian or Belgian-inspired brewery is we're, we're excited to go to go back to Belgium, and we're thinking about actually organizing like some some group trips for some of our, our club members and do that once a year. We're, we're kind of hoping that we can go in like January or February. I mean, we like we like Chouf, yeah, uh, which is in the Ardennes, Cantillon, and Brussels yeah, is pretty, pretty cool. cool. You know, very old school um, brewery. It's like right out of the like industrial revolution. All right. So you're going back to Belgium. There's honestly, if there's a country that I could only go to once a year, it would either be Belgium or Mexico. Well, thank you both so much for taking the time. Hats off to you both. You've really knocked it out of the park right out of the gate. And if any of you are ever in the Finger Lakes region, please, please do yourself a favor and visit Brewery Arden. It is idyllic, you can have proper glassware for the right beer sitting out in the sunshine. <laughs> you might get to see two adorable French bulldogs named Barley and Hops. But yes, definitely go and have a visit. Uh, this has been Beer Me Radio. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to reach out at Beer Me Radio on Instagram or beermeradio at gmail.com. Like, subscribe, follow everywhere that you get your podcasts. Leave all those five-star reviews and happy comments. Uh, but otherwise, we'll see you all later. Cheers. Cheers.